Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your hosts, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome, one and all, back to the Daybreak Devotions program brought to you by the McLeansville Baptist Church. This is Pastor Corey Cantrell here with you today, and I am introducing today's broadcast in a special way because we have a special broadcast today. What we're going to do is we're going to play a portion of another recording venture that Pastor Mike and I do called The Code of Man. And the reason that we are airing this is because the topic which we discussed was titled, Is There a Point to These Problems? And it falls in line so well with so much of what we read in Psalm 119 and what we've been focusing on in adversity and problems and distresses. Is there a point to this? And friends, we must be solidified now more than ever that there is a reason to what God is allowing us to go through. He is at work if we will but yield and humble ourselves to him. So we're going to play this portion of that podcast here on today's program, and we trust that it is a blessing and a help to you. So without further ado, we turn to the Code of Man. Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker from some years back, and here's what he said about problems. Most of the problems in life are because of two reasons. We act without thinking, or we keep thinking without acting. I enjoyed listening to Zig Ziglar many times in some old recordings when I used to travel a lot. But I also have read a few of the books, of his books that came out. If you ever get a book by Zig Ziglar, that'll be a good read for you. He went on to say this, the more you complain about your problems, the more problems you will have to complain about. Very, a, lot of, a lot of quotable one-liners from Zig Ziglar. Anyway, uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back with you today. Good to be here myself. Today, our topic, and it's been a topic of discussion around this place for, I guess, for the last week or so, but it's maybe the main idea is the question, is there a point to all of our problems? And that's what we want to look at today and discuss a little bit. I know that everybody I know has problems. You got problems, I got problems, all God's children got problems. Yeah. So what are we supposed to do with all these problems? And, and let me kick it off like this. I've often heard it said, well, you know, God allows you to go through this so that you can help others who will have to go through it later on. And that sounds good. But I would often think, does that even make sense? Because in my thinking, I would often go to this idea. Well, why do any of us have to go through these problems? Now, on the one hand, yes, it does make sense to say that. I can learn how to walk through the valleys, and in turn I can help others who are going to come through them later. And so many people in my life that have walked through the valleys and the problems and the pains that have gone there before me, they have, in fact, helped me to get through as well. But I don't think that exactly answers the question of what is the point of the problem. Because you have to go, you have to go further into that second question. Why do any of us have to go through the pain and the sorrow and the losses in our life? And that is kind of what's shaping this discussion today. What is the point? of all the problems. It's one thing to talk about how to do it, and we can talk a little bit about how to do it, how to go through problems today, but I really want to know why. And I think if you're a listener right now, no matter what you're going through, whether it's a small problem here or there, a work problem, a family problem, a financial problem, a 
physical wellness problem, you may be wondering the same thing. What is the point to this? Why do I have to go through this? And so let's deal with that. Can you answer the question for us? Listening ears want to know. Well, I'm still learning the answer to it myself. And Aren't we all? Because it's one of those things. I think it. I think it's so easy. Like we've talked about on a, on a few other recordings, problems and troubles and trials are so easy to to categorize as, okay, yeah, well, I've got spiritual problems, but then I have just you know real life problems, things that you just gotta you just gotta deal with and you gotta overcome it and. God's not interested in those. He he's not he's not at work in those. He's only interested in the spiritual problems, the spiritual warfare troubles. And I think one of the things for me that has helped in, you know, the preaching that has been done here over the last several weeks and these conversations that we've been having is growing in that awareness of every problem is a spiritual problem. Every problem serves a spiritual purpose if we allow ourselves to take that problem to God to examine what it is that he's trying to do in our life through it. And it, it makes every trouble and every problem more bearable and maybe more purposeful is, is the right answer for it. When we stop putting in the restrictions of the quote-unquote spiritual trouble, spiritual problems, and just the real-life things. So we've got to get out of the categor- categorization. I mean, I guess there are categories of problems. You know, like I said earlier, there's uh, relationship problems, physical problems, financial problems, but at the end of it all, the bottom line is is if there is a purpose to it and if God is in it, then ultimately it is a it, there's got to be some sort of spiritual explanation or solution. Yes. Let me begin by reading here in James. James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, all these various trials and testings and tribulations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So if we were going to give the bottom line up front on this podcast, this episode today, this discussion, it would be this. The ultimate end of your problems is to perfect you in the will of God. What does that look like? What does it mean to be perfected in the will of God? Because that... that's a good question that would come up next. I think so. And I think we're we're going to be looking at this in a second, but that being perfected in the will of God, it is God's will for us to bear the image of Christ in all things, to be to be uh transformed into Jesus in all things. And so my wife and I are we have recently purchased a home and we're in the process of trying to get everything together and ready. And by my own admission, I typically don't handle um, unforeseen hiccups very well. I get very stressed. Like if I look and I'm like, okay, this should be an easy project. Like we're painting a wall. All right, this should be pretty easy. But then when the the unexpected problems come, like, oh, wow, there's wallpaper on this wall. Now I have to rip this wallpaper off because my paint is peeling. So I got to rip the wallpaper off. Oh, wow, there's damage to the wall. Okay, now I got to pe- repair this. I got to patch this. I got to do all these little hiccups. In years past, in those situations, I become very irritable and very, very, very difficult to be around because it's like... You were a sad, angry little man. <laughs> yes, very much so, Like because this should be easy. Why is this not easy? This is taking me hours and days longer to do this thing that really shouldn't have taken me that long, and there's irritation that comes. Well, with this project, 
we've run into a lot of unforeseen hiccups. And I told Charity the other day, I said, you know, I'm glad to be able to see a little bit of spiritual growth because my inner man is much calmer and at peace and just rolling with this like, hey, you know, it is what it is. It don't do any good to get angry and frustrated and bent out of shape and throwing paintbrushes across the room because that's not going to fix anything. Just tackle the issue and do it. And Is that what you were doing? Getting angry and throwing paintbrushes across the room. Let me, well, Did you not, go for that splattered look in the paint job? Not on, not on this project, because again, but you know, in projects past. Oh yes, there have been tools that have been chunked before. Which then, typically, I have to hear my wife say, "Now, what did that accomplish?" Now you got to walk across the room and go get your tool. And oh yeah, you put another hole in the wall, so fix oh, that one too. Kind of like Zig Ziglar said. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think everybody. Most people, most normal people can relate to what you just described. I think all of us have had that experience many times where we get in that place where like, what in the world? You know, like you said, this is supposed to be easy. I was supposed to get in here and knock this one thing out and life moves on and I get to celebrate. Yes. And celebration gets delayed. But you're right. This is all about becoming Jesus. We are being fashioned into the image of Christ. And when you think about the life of Jesus, there is nothing there that is easy. Mm -hmm. Nothing. In fact, it was very purposeful. Jesus entered into problems. One of the things that that I've said recently around here, which is I think one of the... So just to interrupt the thought, there's this concept of, quote, hard preaching. Mm -hmm. And hard preaching in a lot of circles is when a preacher gets up, pounds the pulpit, sweats a lot, and you know, calls out liquor and wild women and, and all that stuff that most people aren't... Getting hot. Yeah. I want to tell you what hard preaching is. Hard preaching is what I'm about to say right now. That suffering is not something we're to shun, but we are to embrace if we want to actually be obedient to Jesus. Now, that's hard preaching. It's even harder living. Yeah. But it is true. Let me read Hebrews chapter 5. I made reference to this the other day, and, and I didn't have the, the actual reference in front of me, but... I was right. It's Hebrews chapter 5. And listen to what it says here. I'll begin reading in verse number 5. Make sure I get all the context. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now listen to this verse. Now listener, I am reading you Hebrews 5, 7, which describes the life of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh... When he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So in a nutshell, why did Jesus have to go through everything he went through? So that he could help others who would go through it behind him. Well, the full circle. I guess we could end the whole thing right now. But you see, that is the point. We are becoming Jesus. And Jesus, who is our great high priest, willingly entered into suffering and pain and loss. I mean, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was intimately acquainted with grief. It wasn't like he had a few problems. No, this was he lived there. When you read verse 7 and you kind of get that behind-the-scenes look, and I know we know about the Garden of Gethsemane, but there are other places in Scripture where it might not be as clearly presented, but I think there were 
numbers of times that Jesus, during the days of his flesh, had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Why? Because he was suffering. There was grief in his life. There was sorrow and loss in his life. But the key to all of it was verse 8, that he learned obedience through those things. So there's something. Now, I mean, that's a whole other conversation that would be fantastic and almost like holy ground. We need to take our shoes off before we do it to talk about why and how Jesus learned obedience. Mm Mm-hmm. But I know this, we need to learn obedience. So let me ask the rhetorical question. Does anybody in this room or listening right now have a problem with their flesh? So this, I see that hand. Yeah, I see those thousands of hands <laughs> from our 14 listeners. And, and, and so we, we have to understand that one of the most basic key reasons we have problems in our life is because God is trying to dry, help, he's trying to help us to mortify the deeds of our flesh. And that makes me think of C.S. Lewis. If you're familiar with C.S. Lewis's writings at all, or if you've ever heard anybody quote C.S. Lewis, you've possibly heard the quote that uh, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What I'd like to do is take a moment and read a little bit more of the context of that. And it comes from Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain. And, and I think if I can read this paragraph or two, it, it will, it will kind of open up this understanding of why we need the problems in our life to teach us obedience. And, and ultimately, just as Jesus was perfected and became the author of salvation, so our pains will perfect us. As a matter of fact, I don't mind. Hey, this is a free forum setting. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Let me go ahead and read another at end at the beginning because I think 1 Peter chapter 5 is the key to all of this. In 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now you remember that that's what Paul says about Jesus, that he took upon him the form of a servant, but he's been now exalted and given a name which is above every name. So it's the same formula. You are God's son. You are God's daughter to the ladies that are listening You are God's child, and in the same way he did this in the life of Jesus to perfect the way for us, he is also doing this and accomplishing the same pattern in our lives. So humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What are you going to do with all these problems? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's another factor to the problems. By the way, I'm I'm going all over the place here, but there are three main categories of of trouble in our life. God, that sounds funny, doesn't it? But God, we know, will bring problems to test us. Mm -hmm. Satan will come to tempt us. And the world, just living in the world, is going to trouble us. So all those things are important. So... Speaking of the devil, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. So God's ultimate goal is I'm going to shake up your little world, get your attention so that I can make you right. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me come back to Lewis. And then I want to get your thoughts on this. Here's what Lewis says. The human spirit 
Now, uh, by the way, the context of this is is that we are supposed to surrender ourselves to God. I mean, that's that's our thing. We, we want to daily live, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. So, so here's where, pick up the reading by Lewis. The human spirit will not even begin to try to surrender self-will as long as all seems to be well with it. Now, error and sin both have this property, that the deeper they are, the less their victim suspects their existence. They are masked and, and and I know it's easier for to read, well, for me, it would be easier to read those words than to hear me read them to you. So what I want to do is comment on that just to simply say what he tells us there is that the more ingrained the the error or the sin or the false self is in our life, the harder it is for us to recognize that. That's why it's easy to recognize, um, well, if I lose my temper, I can call that out. Oh, I lost my temper. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done it. But what about that deep-seated anger mm-hmm. that needs to be rooted out of us? See? So that's that's kind of what he's saying. So reading on. Pain is unmasked, unmistakable evil. Every man knows that something is wrong when he is being hurt. And pain is not only immediately recognizable evil, but evil impossible to ignore. We can rest contentedly in our sins and in our stupidities, and anyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can even ignore pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What is that saying to you? So the whole time, bring on the pain. <laughs> so think about it. You've we've we've heard this phrase on any kind of sports team or workout program or anything. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body. The pain that you're experiencing right now is the thing that is holding you back, being pushed out. So if we take that, I mean, that's in a lot of ways that's what that's what Lewis is saying. That's what Scripture teaches. Is look. Your pain is the opportunity for the thing that is crippling you, the thing that is making you weak, the thing that is stealing your abundant life that that Jesus has come to offer you. Pain is the is the channel of getting less of that so that you can in turn have the strength and the security and the the flourishing life that God has provided for you. And it's not just about so we we've already read the scriptures, we talked about hey it's about ultimately perfecting us through this. But in that, there's also, again, Jesus was made perfect and he became the author of eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. See, that's the end of it all. God is trying to get us to joy. Yeah. But he says, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. To get to the joy, there has to be the suffering, yeah. and that's just a that's just a rule. I mean, that's just a principle of life. God has ingrained in the fabric of the world, and and, and sometimes we want to bypass all that. But how do we ever get to perfection? How do we ever get to the joy if we don't go through the suffering? And that raises up a question that I that I've had. So we've used these kind of, these words kind of interchangeably. But I think there it maybe would be helpful to flesh them out a little bit. We, we've used trouble and problems and suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and I think trouble and problems, I know at least for myself, those, okay, yeah, I, I can see those. Everybody has troubles, annoyances, 
Everybody has problems, those things that come up that are, they need a solution, they need an answer. But suffering to me almost gives a a much deeper level of pain, a much, um, I don't know the best way to describe, maybe that, that, that was sufficient, a, a deeper level of pain. So if somebody was to ask you, Pastor, can you explain to me the difference in, in problems and in suffering? Like what, what, am, what am I looking for to, to describe the difference in those two? Well, I think you did say it well because if you think about the, um, the Greek or Latin word behind suffering is pathos, P-A-T-H-O-S, I think is, is how you say it. And, it, and it, it really is speaking of a deeper level of pain. You're actually, it's, it's actually coming from that deep place inside of you. So an annoyance, you know, a problem can be an annoyance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, try to think of an example of that. You know, I, I mean, really we, we, you know, flat tire. Okay. A flat tire can be a pretty big annoyance depending on what's going on in your day, but you can handle that a mm-hmm. little bit of time, a little bit of sweat. You can fix it. But suffering is something like true grief. It is a loss. You know when when Jesus when Jesus lost his friend his cousin John when John was uh, John the Baptist was murdered Jesus grieved over that that was suffering you know I I don't I I think when um, when uh, when Andrew comes to Jesus and says how are we going to feed these people you want us to feed these people and then Jesus is kind of looking at that because he himself knew what he would do mm-hmm. that was more of probably a a little problem, a little trouble. Jesus experienced all those different things. I think sometimes, so let me say it this, I think we have to graduate. God in his grace graduates us to the things that we're able to handle. And most of us in the younger years of our life may not have to endure a lot of what we may categorize as suffering. Now, some people do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I immediately think of uh, someone like Anne Frank or Corey Tinboom during uh, World War II who, as as children suffered yeah. greatly at the hands of evil. But not all of us have to do that, but we all have those problems, annoyances. But ultimately, as we go through life, this will sound weird, I guess, to say it, but we will progress to suffering. When we begin to bury the people we love, that, that will be suffering. Um, when, we, when we have wayward children, that will be suffering. When we are betrayed by our truest, closest friends, there's deep suffering that comes into that. I mean, again, Jesus experienced most of those things in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I would say that's definitely the difference between the two. Everybody experiences annoyances almost on a daily basis, but but great suffering. Thankfully, God is gracious not to bring those things until we're uh, to receive them. I, I want to read a little bit further on uh, Lewis's writing here. If the first and lowest operation of pain shatters the illusion that all is well, the second shatters the illusion that what we have, whether good or bad in itself, is our own and enough for us. Everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn our thoughts to God when everything is going well with us. We have all we want is a terrible saying. By the way, does that remind you of Revelation chapter 3 in the church of Laodicea? You know, Jesus said, you, you say that we have everything we need. We're rich and everything's going good. And he says, you're actually blind and naked and helpless. So picking back up the reading, we have all we want is a terrible saying when all does not include God. We find God an interruption. As St. Augustine says somewhere, God wants to give us something but cannot because our hands are full. There's nowhere for him to put it. 
Or as a friend of mine said, we regard God as an airman regards his parachute. It's there for emergencies, but he hopes you'll never have to use it. Now, God, who has made us, knows what we are and that our happiness lies in him. Yet we will not seek it in him as long as he leaves us any other resort where it can even plausibly be looked for. While what we call our own life remains agreeable, we will not surrender it to him. What then can God do in our interest but make our own life less agreeable to us and take away the plausible sources of false happiness? It is just here where God's providence seems at first to be most cruel that the divine humility, the stooping down of the highest, most deserves praise. In other words, to the last part of that, I think what Lewis was reminding us of is that God is doing to us what he himself has already done. He sent Christ into the world. Jesus humbled himself, was humiliated all the way to the death of the cross, to the suffering, to learn obedience, and he did that in order to show us this path. God has to disrupt our lives. One question you brought up, even in just now and when we discussed this earlier, why is it that some people don't seem to suffer um, as much as others? And, and I wonder how much it could be either on the one hand, hey, hey maybe that person is living surrendered to God. Um, and on the other hand, maybe that person is completely ignoring God. Some people may not suffer that much because they're not God's child. Hmm. I can't put a finger on all of it and, and prescribe what's going on everywhere and everybody, but those are fair questions. Sure. And I think you look too, we, we, we say the phrase along the lines of, you know, everybody goes through things, life happens to everybody. But then you look and, you know, you see some people that, that lost a parent as a teenager, you know, and, and, and went through those formative years without the role of their father or, or their or their mother. And I mean there's that's pretty intense suffering. And then, you know, you see some people that it's like everything just goes rosy. Everything goes well. And then we know behind the scenes, obviously not everything was rosy, not everything went well. There there has been obstacles to overcome. But I, I think it's human nature for us to look and almost compare our circumstances with others. You know, either A, I've had it harder than here, there, and yonder, or maybe B, we look at it and say, okay, Lord, why haven't I had it as hard as here, there, or yonder? Especially when you start comparing, when you start comparing scripture about how important the role of suffering is, I think it's easy to, to look and say, okay, Lord, am I your child? Am I as right with you as I need to be because I haven't walked through this valley or because I haven't had to endure this depth and degree of, of suffering. And I think one thing that you pointed out earlier that, that I wanted to, to highlight again, because it is encouraging, is look, God's bringing you along at the pace that you're at. And as long as you're surrendered to his process, it doesn't matter what you have or have not endured. He's bringing you along in his time and in, and in your place and in your life. And not everybody's life and not everybody's role is called for the same thing except to be completely surrendered to him. That's what he's calling out of us. You know, the ultimate thing here is that God uses the trouble to break us and to build us. That's right. Well, friends, that is all of the time that we have for today. We thank you so much for joining us. We pray that you have a blessed remainder of your day. We'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. 
We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.